passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome back to the show, everyone. It's John Pollock with you. Coming up on Friday night, Ring of Honor returns to pay-per-view with their 17th anniversary card. It's going to be taking place from Samstown Casino, happening at 9 Eastern on traditional pay-per-view, Fight TV, Honor Club VIP, and the man calling the show, the voice of Ring of Honor himself, joining us right now en route to Las Vegas himself, Ian Riccoboni. Ian, it's a pleasure to have you here. Hey, thank you so much, John. Uh, Like you said, it's a little noisy. Uh, Get ready to take off from Philadelphia and head to uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. But I can't believe it. This is a, a two-year anniversary for me. Uh, my first paper was the 15th anniversary, so I'm really excited to be here two years later for my third anniversary event. Got quite a, uh, quite a card stacked up. When you were, uh, you know, coming into Ring of Honor in the position you were and then ascending to take that main chair, how, how much of a transition was that for you? And at a point where... You, you were in your comfort zone as, you know, the, the voice that is now associated with Ring of Honor. Was that something that happened quickly or was it an evolutionary process to get to where you are now? I would say it was an evolution. Um, it was pretty scary at first. It, it was something where I knew that if I didn't say yes to the opportunity, the opportunity may never come again. Because uh, I had been the I'd been the backup announcer for about two to three years. And it was something where Kevin Kelly was giving me as much, as many reps as I could get. And with the idea being that if, if he should get a different opportunity or if he went to a different organization that I would one day take over. And I was in it. I had about a five year plan where if I didn't get the opportunity offered to me in about five years, I would have said, Hey, that's great. Wrestling's wonderful. I did it. I tried it. And that's that. <laughs> but sure. Um, you know, for me, it was an evolution where the very first night, uh, I remember I, I could barely breathe when I sat down next to Kevin and Colt. Uh, Colt put his hand on my shoulder and, and rubbed it and said, everything's going to be all right. And then the uh, the lights went up for the video package and, and we go from there. And I still get excited. I still get nervous. Um, I still get nervous when I have to call some something from somebody I haven't seen before. You know, and, and that's sort of the exciting part, but also sort of the frightening part. There's so many fans that watch so much wrestling online that there's always that little bit of anxiety, not only to do it right for your company, but to do it by, by the wrestlers and right by the fans who entrust you with this information. So um, there's still a little bit of nerves, but it's been an evolution over time where I think guys like Colt and Caprice have really helped me kind of grow into it. 
It's interesting because I think that the role of the play-by-play announcer, it's one of the toughest in professional wrestling because there's so many balls that you have to be juggling in the air on a live broadcast. And it's also, it's a very... It's a very personal connection that you have with the viewer at home. You are guiding them through a three-plus-hour pay-per-view that, with that, can come a lot of scrutiny. And I've got to say, for somebody that is, you know, when we look at some of the announcers that are out there that have been doing this for decades, you're very new to this. And it seems that you have been able to find that audience. And it's like there is not the anti-Riccoboni contingent out there. I think that you've been very well-received by people. And I think that that's... That's really a tribute to you that you, you don't typically see uh, amongst announcers that I think it's typically they grow on people and then they become that familiar voice in their ears and who they're tuning into each week. I, I certainly appreciate that. You know, it was one, of the, one of the weird consequences was sink or swim <laughs> with right. how fast the opportunity came. And so I knew that I had to be as sharp as I could. I knew that I had to be as dedicated as I could and be as smart as I could uh, immediately. I, I had no other option because um, I knew there were other options. So for me, it it was something where I I really appreciate the connection that I do have with the fans. Um, it's neat, you know, to walk out of an event and and to have people come up to you and ask for a photo with you or for your autograph. But it's also nice too to you know see some some comments that I get. You know, there are folks that you know, tend to say, you know, Ring of Honor was better when or or this or that. But I, I've been blessed that a, a number of people have made the connection, you know, with me. And that's something that I, I try and keep an eye on. You know, I'd be lying if I didn't say I didn't read fan comments, if I didn't read reviews and things like that. Um, but that just motivates me to, to watch more tapes, to take better notes, to make more concise notes, to have better meetings with, with Colt or Caprice or Nick Aldis this weekend. And for me... It's, it's something where that gives me that extra motivation where they've given me that trust right out of the gate, and now I have to keep it, and now I have to do things to continue to earn it and keep it. Uh, take us into uh, kind of the preparation show day, specifically for a pay-per-view as opposed to a television taping. Uh, you'll land in Las Vegas later tonight. What does the day look like Friday prior to going live at 9 p.m. Eastern? Sure. So, so I uh, in Las Vegas, I love it because I'm kind of secluded and we're kind of secluded. Um, it's nice where I get to kind of be just, a, just far enough away from my family and friends where it's an environment where I get to do a lot of thought and I get to do a lot of research. And, um, you know, it's something where I have the pay-per-view format uh, of the matches that are set to take place and the order they intend to air them and the graphics. And if there's any plugs or anything like that that we need to get through throughout the day. So what I do is, is I'll make my own notes about the wrestlers and the matches and their history. And then I'll go ahead and I'll schedule some time with, in this case, it'll be Caprice Coleman and Nick Aldis calling the pay-per-view with me. And we'll, we'll set some time and, and we'll meet before the production meeting and we'll review the history of every match and how we got to that match. And sometimes for a match like Silas Young versus Jonathan Gresham, it's relatively straightforward. This is a match between two top wrestlers. Uh, the winner will obviously advance in the title picture. The loser will not. But then other times it's a bit more involved with, with Matt Taven and, and Jay Lethal, the Ring of Honor World Championship, and a history that goes back to 2014. So for me, uh, it's something where I think a lot of it has to do with confidence, voice and body language and hands when they can read your eyes and they can see if something's going right or something's going wrong. So for me, that prep, that pre, pre-show prep is so key for me. So I like to do a walk to clear my head in the morning in Vegas 
Uh, I like to take a look at the mountains and the nice scenery out in North Vegas where we are. And then uh, I'll sit down, I'll, I'll finalize my notes, and then I'll sit down with Nick and Caprice, and we'll go over match by match and, and kind of what we hope to communicate. And so, again, there's different stories and, and different things that, that help fans get invested in each match. And for me, this, this card's a great example, whether it's the Women of Honor match, whether it's the tag team title match or, or the world title match, that there's, there's a lot of meat, to, meat on the bones for, for these matches coming up at 17th anniversary, which is kind of a, incredible. And it's a testament, I think, to Ring of Honor, because I, I think some companies and, and maybe in the past Ring of Honor may have put all of our eggs in the Madison Square Garden basket, but we're delivering a heck of a pay-per-view on, on Friday night. Yeah, it's it's uh, such an interesting time period for Ring of Honor that, you know, this is a very big weekend for them, but also it, it just weeks out from the biggest card in the company's history. Is that something that has that really hit the locker room yet that in three weeks time, yourself included, are going to be there at a sold out Madison Square Garden? Or does that not even feel real yet until you guys actually are there in New York and suddenly... It, it, the gravity of such a show is really going to hit everybody. You know, there's a, there's a lot of excitement. I, I think the I think learning from my experience from All In is we've been in big arenas before uh, where we've drawn decent crowds, um, but the gravity for me didn't hit me at All In until I walked up and and looked around and I stood on the stage. And I think for a lot of guys, whether it's guys that'll be in the the Honor Rumble or whether it's whomever competes for the Ring of Honor Championship against Marty Skrull. I think the, the gravity is going to come when they walk into Madison Square Garden with their gear bags and they set it down and they look up and look around and they see the banners and they see the Jumbotron and they see everything. And I, I think because we've had such huge events uh, leading up to this, we have Vegas this weekend with Baltimore on March 31st. It's going to give you a little preview of Madison Square Garden. Because we have these events, I think a lot of the gravity hasn't even set in yet, especially because a lot of this weekend will determine what happens at Madison Square Garden. So I think once the matches are finalized, I think when we establish contenders for championships uh, and, and champions even, I think that's when it will really start to set in uh, for for everybody. And, you know, I, I could barely afford to go to anything at Madison Square Garden when I went to school at NYU. So to be able to, to be, you know, part of the part of this, event of this magnitude the first wrestling event since 1960 that's non-wwe in madison square garden it's going to be incredible something that I, I can't even describe as you go back to december and final battle weekend you know that was that was such an interesting weekend because you know going into it there's so much focus on cody rhodes the young bucks and yet Ring of Honor, that could have been a weekend where that was the narrative coming out of that weekend. And I think the card that we're seeing on Friday night, you've got Bandito taking on Rush. We've seen the addition of PCO and Brody King who are challenging for the tag titles. Lifeblood coming into the company. Like there, It was certainly that, yes, this is a big loss. But at the same time, there's a lot of interesting holes that are being filled by unique talent that are coming in. And I think that this pay-per-view kind of represents that as well. Can you just take us back to a bit about how what the mood was like that weekend and especially coming out of those television tapings where it was taking the next step towards what 2019 would look like for the company? Absolutely. It's always tough when you lose people like that. Obviously, the, the Jacksons and Cody uh, and, and Adam Pager and Brandon are talents. Uh, but they're, they're really great people deep down. So anytime you lose people that, that are really an asset to the locker room, 
that are, you know, top-notch human beings. That's the toughest part. Um, but I think what was quickly realized coming out of that TV taping was that there's going to be spots that open and that there's going to be chances for guys like Bandito to step up, who we didn't quite know we had yet. Guys like Roosh, who we didn't quite know we had yet. But more importantly, like Villain Enterprises, who really took the ball and ran with it. And so you had that, you know, you had guys like Roosh, Bandito, et cetera, taking phone calls from Ring of Honor because I think they sensed the opportunity. They sent Madison Square Garden on the horizon. They sent Vegas on the horizon. And so the mood was, was we're, we're losing great people. But, you know, Kerry Silken, he, he was backstage in Philadelphia and he was talking to everybody. And, and he said, remember, you know, remember Nigel McGuinness versus Brian Danielson. Remember all the great talent that moved on to different ventures. Ring of Honor will always continue. And now it's, it's up to us to go ahead and, and make it the best it's ever been. And so, the vibe was positive, uh, and the vibe was super, super positive coming out of Atlanta, where we got to see Bandito for the first time, or we got to see Mark Haskins return, or we got to see Tracy Williams return. Um, you know, it, coming out of Atlanta, it was a whole different feeling. That was our first event of the year, it was a TV taping, and I would say we were on cloud nine. We were thrilled with the TV taping. We were thrilled coming out of Florida, and now in Vegas, this is month three, and we all of a sudden, we have this crop of, of new stars, of fresh matchups of championship matchups that we have never seen before in some cases and in other cases guys stepping up like Shane Taylor. And, and I think everybody just senses opportunity and everybody knows that the, the lights are going to be bright and the spotlight's going to be shining on everybody. When it comes to, you know, the, the changing landscape in professional wrestling, um, you found yourself in the, in the middle of this as well with your contract coming due with ring of honor. Uh, you, came forward stating you had signed a new deal with the company and that you did have other offers. Was that a, um, what kind of a decision-making process was that for you that here you find yourself, um, you know, at the demand of several companies and, and having to make a decision like that? Absolutely. Um, it, I had actually had a knot in my stomach for months. Uh, it was something I was dreading because I knew I'd had to tell uh, people that I knew and respected and liked being around no. Um, it was something that it was scary for me. And not only that, but I knew we had a daughter on the way. Right. So I wanted to get the best financial deal, but, but money's not always everything. And, um, you know, I, I talked with Joe Koff, who's our COO. I said, Joe, this is where I want to be. He said, Ian, this is where we want you to be. And I explained to him that not many people get the opportunity to be the guy and, and to be the head of the TV show, to be the lead broadcaster, to call the pay-per-views. Um, there's only been a handful in, in wrestling history that have done it for five years or more. And, you know, Kevin Kelly, he, he set the bar at about four and a half. And so I want to be the guy that uh, gets that opportunity, that, that runs with it and continues to be the voice of Ring of Honor for as long as they'll have me. Because it's the product that, you know, I grew up watching as a teenager when I, I found the, the VHS tapes and the DVDs. And it's something that I continue to follow through college. And it's just something that I've always enjoyed. It's always been a part of me. And so, you know, you don't often get opportunities to stop like this in your lap. And I think those other places will always be there if the time is right. Never say never. But, you know, I'm excited that I have this incredible opportunity to, to really be the voice of Ring of Honor for a long, long time. And, and that was a commitment, too, that if I didn't feel it was mutual, if I couldn't look Joe Koff in the eye, and if I felt like he wasn't telling me the truth when he said he wants Ian Riccoboni to be the voice of Ring of Honor for however many years for the foreseeable future. Uh, I would have felt that Joe's a sincere guy. 
and you can take him at his word and you can trust him. And so I felt like he was sincere, like he was honest, the feeling was mutual. And I had a, a piece of paper in front of me with the, um, with a very generous number, uh, by Wednesday afternoon after talking to him on a Saturday. And so it, it was one of the things where it was guys like Joe and Greg in the office, but also guys like Jay Lethal and Matt Taven and, and the Briscoes and Jeff Cobb and, you know, the, the friendships I, I've traveled with Bandito, who's, who's incredibly a very good singer of all things. <laughs> he's got this amazing sense of humor. Um, and so, you know, those were the things and those were the memories I was interested in, in creating and the relationships I was interested in, in maintaining. And so for me, um, it, you know, while there may have been some financial doubt, it, there was never any emotional doubt for me. Well, Ian, I know you do have a, a flight to catch. Uh, I would be remiss uh, if I didn't say uh, congratulations as well uh, to you and your wife on uh, the recent uh, your your second child uh, that you recently had. Is this your first uh, trip since uh, your child arrived uh, just recently? It is, and it is killing me. And, uh, <laughs> it's one of those things where uh, to leave your to leave your wife at home was was rough before Zach was born. To leave her with Zach alone was even rougher, and, and now I have this. This feeling in my stomach, uh, that's even worse. So yeah, the, the flight's calling the, uh, standby folks and I'm, I'm one of those, but, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be tough to get on this plane today with that emotional attachment in, in Allentown. Well, I'm sure you'll, you'll be home in no time and we're looking forward to the pay-per-view coming up once again, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific, headlined by Jay Lethal, Matt Taven for the ROH title, the Briscoes versus PCO and Brody King, Bandito, Roosh, Marty Skrull versus Kenny King, and calling the action, Ian Riccoboni, along with Nick Aldis and Caprice Coleman. Ian, thank you so much for this time. Uh, we look forward to the pay-per-view this weekend and hopefully uh, getting to catch up with you in New York, potentially. Oh, that sounds great, John. Thank you so much for having me.